Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape. Then where the pot? Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Star Wars Escape Pod. Uh, we got a very special thing happening today. We're going to be diving deep into uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace, Episode 1, which will kick off our new series of commentary tracks for the films that you guys can sync up with at home. So it'll be like we're chatting with you about the film right there while you're watching it in your living room. But to do that, I got a few, uh, let's call them Jedi Knights of the Round Table, joining me today for that discussion to which I will introduce them all in just a moment, but we gotta make a landing and pick them up first in our escape pod, so uh, let's go. Another happy landing. All right, we got a few voices on the show today. Some new, some returning. Uh, Blake, let's start with you. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while since uh, since you've been on, actually. Hey, thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on the program. Oh, always a pleasure, man. It's been a while since we've had you, so it's good to have you back. Uh, Diego, uh, our co-host of the Clone Wars Talk series, he's back for a spin at uh, the commentary track. So uh, everybody, uh, welcome Diego back to the show. Glad to be back, thank you. Always good to have you, man. Uh, we have uh, Wes. Wes is, uh, is a friend of ours who was in an episode that actually ended up getting cut. So uh, welcome to the show, Wes. Uh, this is your first on-air episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to be back, hopefully for an episode that makes it on-air this time. Yeah, exactly. All right, and uh, we got AJ. Uh, you've been on a few times with uh, with Ian for some some book stuff, uh, talking about some Star Wars novels. So uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad and to be back. Anytime, man. And uh, Reed, uh, last but not least, you've been on a few times about uh, some of the video games that have come out in the past, like the Vader Immortal series and uh, Jedi Fallen Order and such. So uh, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Always a good time. Yeah, always good to have you back, man. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and then, of course, uh, for you listeners out there, I am your host, Josh, uh, host of Star Wars Escape Pod. And uh, that is pretty much everybody. We got a group of six here. And uh, first thing I want to say is you, you guys are all Star Wars fans, and yet uh, you're all on different places of uh, what I would call the Star Wars fan spectrum. Uh, I think the spectrum is a good way to put it. The spe- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Josh's professional diagnosis. <laughs> the, it, honestly, I think after being at Star Wars Celebration 2017, 
it was like a humbling experience to know that there's people significantly more nerdier than you well let's not put it that way let's 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 put it more passionate about the same thing Um, but yeah i mean i mean yeah i know some of the dedication that some of these guys have in like their costumes or or uh like whatever they end up doing is like it's it's incredible like uh some of the pictures and videos that we got while we're down there is uh um it's definitely something to remember and you know it just makes me rethink like out of the thousands of people in this giant lineup that we waited like like what was it four hours it was a long time and it was a long time giant concrete hall in like blistering sun in uh florida it was miserable (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was it was bad uh but i remember just thinking to myself like over 90 percent of these people are like hardcore star wars fans like this is a convention just for star wars it's not comic-con where where you get fans from like across the board like this is 100 percent a star wars convention every single one of these people is here because of star wars because of george lucas so um it's quite it's quite incredible like when you when you're there and you're like really taking it in but uh yeah. So uh, anyway, we're uh, we're going to be watching a very uh, a very a legendary film. Uh, the uh, uh, it's over twenty years old now at this point, which is pretty crazy. So it is technically vintage, but we're going to be going Dang, through this whole thing crazy. chronologically. Yeah, it's crazy to think yeah. about. We're so old now, dude. I was four years old when this movie came out. So <laughs> I think, it's, I, think uh, I was six. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, uh, so out of the group of us, you know, it was it was not exactly the kind of movie that many of us have probably lined up at the theater for, I guess, because we're all pretty young. But yeah, uh, no, I didn't see it till VHS, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was the same for me, too. I think uh, the VHS was uh, probably most exposure to uh anyone born in the 90s I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's probably the first time that most of us saw it uh was was on vhs unless you were born in the, the early 90s then uh you know jealous that you made it to the movie theater but uh uh so let's uh let's start the film in uh in about 10 seconds here i'm just pulling up the page so i'm gonna do a countdown and then uh if all of you guys are ready to go we're all gonna synchronize up and hit play on everyone's side of the fence. Uh, and then uh, all you guys listening at home can do the exact same thing. Uh, I'm using Disney Plus to use to, to play uh, my uh, copy. Of course, I also have the Blu-ray, but uh, I'm at the computer. So uh, naturally, I'm uh, just going to use the web. Um, and uh, if the rest of you guys are all ready to go, I'm going to start the countdown. We'll, uh, we'll hit play on go. Okay, and I'm going to count down from three. All right. So three. Two, one, go. All right, I'm playing. Same. <laughs> Long time ago. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Episode one. 
the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Are we all going to take turns reading this? Uh, no. <laughs> we should totally do that, dude. Oh man, we could. I'm just let Josh do it. Go for it, man. No thanks. I'm 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 all right. <laughs> but uh, the taxation of trade routes. This this opening crawl is one of the many things that is brought up to me when people criticize the Phantom Menace, which I love. So what do you what do you feel about this? Uh, well, uh, I wouldn't say specifically yeah, opening uh, crawl, but. I would I mean, say I people, know. when they bring talk about the prequels in comparison to the originals, they definitely complain about how this is like a trade war, which is yeah. kind of silly compared to the whole empire. It, co- it comes, like up, it comes up quite government. a bit. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah. it comes up quite a bit when I talk to people about it. They're like, oh, The Phantom Menace is that movie about politics and trade routes. Uh, What's really funny is now that I'm older, I actually... I mean, the American War of Independence was well, partially started over tariffs and stuff, so. <laughs> it's true. So, what's funny is, now that I'm older, I don't mind the concept, but when I was 10, it was so over my head, I had no idea what the crap they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Government stuff. It, yeah. It's, it's one of those yeah. things that, um, that I think, it, like, it, like, Star Wars, like, it, it gives, this the whole prequel trilogy gives so much like reasoning and backstory to like the why there's even a war in the first place or why there's even a rebellion in the first place so like i mean when it comes down to the the complaints about the opening crawl and like the taxation of trade routes actually like i really like it because it explains why that's all happening like that was one of my big complaints about the sequels is that there's no backstory to any of the political unrest at all uh, yeah, but the thing yeah. is, with the original trilogy, it's so self-explanatory because the government of power is just like so obviously evil and corrupt. This is it's just not even Nazis, right? space Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly it. Like it just made so obvious. This is a, a lot more complicated, so I can see how people have more trouble getting behind it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It comes with age, I would say. Yeah, this is more realistic. love that they got uh, Liam Neeson in here. So awesome. Yeah. Actually, I had this conversation with Diego on Clone Wars Talk is that Liam Neeson plays, you know, the Qui- the character Qui-Gon Jinn is the perfect Jedi. Yeah. That's kind of what the Clone Wars alluded to, right? It's like, he's like the last kind of remnant of like the Jedi of old sort of thing, or like the way that they used to be, like believing in more than just like their... Um, you know, like they're they're getting blinded like by the dark side, right? And then like Qui Gon's like the only sensible. They're getting guy too that, political. Is the issue? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's funny is Qui Gon didn't learn that from his master at all. So I haven't read the novel yet, so I'm not sure like how he picked it up himself. Yeah. I mean, my face again. 
I love I that line. This stunted slime. That's awesome. Stunted slime. <laughs> I know a lot of people get upset with the fact that uh, they gave them like the like the Asian accent. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like they're like really really crude like uh, trading people. Right. <laughs> Just like a bit of racism yeah. in there. Yeah. I don't know people call him out on that. I don't know. Maybe George I mean, just like that's just the first I, thing that came to mind when he thought of that kind of character, but I don't know. Oh, I mean they're basically Japan. They got robots everywhere. They're high tech. <laughs> they got the accents too. Yeah, you can't argue with that. <clears throat> and some of this cg looks better than stuff you see today it is it is awesome yeah for sure <laughs> so well done is it just the amount of time they spend on it or is it uh, a lot of it i think is lighting so yeah. how we do lighting in film is different than it is now so like this is more yeah, like that lighting whereas now they do everything with a, a front flat Fail light Oh. Yeah, because everything is green screens, right? Whereas here they're putting CG into a scene, trying to make it match. Oh. That's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Close the blasters! <laughs> so good. <laughs> so many doors. This was so such a cool scene, too, because this is like the first time you see someone like try to melt through something with a lightsaber. It's so it's just yeah. so fun to watch like all those really? effects and stuff. There's probably so many years of kids thinking like, why couldn't you just cut through it? <laughs> yes, dude, coming through. <laughs> this whole scene is so impossible. good. Right? Oh, because, man, these were so cool. Terrible right. in Battlefront 2, but so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they never did them justice in any of the games. Uh, AJ likes playing as the Droidica still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but AJ also likes playing as the Wookiees, so he does. That's the true. Yes, yeah, don't, doesn't count. And the Ewoks. I love the Ewok. Gosh, Ewok. get out of here. Yeah, he okay, this is, this is something... the BB droids or whatever. Like, everything we despise about that game. AJ's like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that doesn't really come up a lot, but uh, the Jedi Super Speed. Um, it's something yeah. that. They sometimes they did a few times like hint at the fact that a Jedi can run really fast in the Clone Wars because you see them be very, very agile while they're in battle. But it's not something that you get in Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. So no, it's, not it's always a bit of a it's always yeah. a bit of a puzzling thing to me of like as to why th that was portrayed the way it was visually in that scene. I think actually I did hear about this. It was like George. He just, for whatever reason, was like, "Yeah, hey, just speed it up," and then that just became a thing. Hmm. <laughs> like, I'm a myself. And then it just became like this big canon thing. So, like, I know, so, I know mostly from all the games, like Kotor and stuff. You all have like the four speed, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
it's just them augmenting their speed through the force, I guess, right? Kind of like anything, like their their ability to jump really high or yeah, or, same uh, idea or anything. So same idea, but yeah, it's it's a really cool idea. I just wish that they kind of used it a little more because yeah. I just wonder if it was too difficult to do because, like, as soon as you start playing with speed, it's hard to make stuff not look kind of goofy. Yeah, totally. Communications. <laughs> so you can actually visit this uh, palace in Italy. Oh, that's cool. Oh wow! Yeah, that's where they shot this. Uh, the, all the Royal Naboo scenes, like they shot it in Italy, then. The scene in uh, Battlefront is identical. It's amazing how they did that map. That's super how cool. global was the filming of this movie? Oh, for Phantom Menace was pretty massively global. It went all over. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I mean, like the the kind of landscapes are so diverse. It's yeah, pretty impressive. They filmed That's... in uh, Italy, and uh, I believe it was uh, Tunisia for. Uh... Yeah, you say Tunisia for Tatooine. Yep. Oh wow. That's what I like about these movies, is I felt like the newer uh, uh, sequels or whatever didn't really take you to anywhere like that new and interesting. Whereas in, like, in the prequel trilogy, like you're constantly seeing like new planets and places all the time. The well, world building is a lot better. Yeah, it's weird because like in the sequels, they tried to they tried to do that, but George had kind of already done everything, so they they just did carbon copies of the same planets, right? Yeah, I mean yeah, in the newest ones though, you got like this expressed cow or whatever, which is pretty <laughs> oh, <impressive. my> God. <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly what I watched. Don't even get me started on those. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, wait! Did someone hate the Last Jedi as much as I did? <laughs> <laughs> With a burning passion, man. Oh, <laughs> virtual high five, man. That is just mm, music to my ears. <laughs> Actually, the one planet that came out after the prequel, or yeah, after the prequels, that I really enjoyed was in Clone Wars. They had that kind of it was like a coral planet, so everything was kind of like underwater coral esque, but it was right uh, non aquatic. Hmm. Yeah, you're talking about the uh, the the episode with Yoda and the clones and the uh, Ventress is sending all the droids after them, right? Like the, I think it was season one, episode one, right? Ambush. Is the episode you're talking about? It's like a dried I, up. I feel like world. it's I feel like it's farther in than that. Not that early. Hmm. I'd like to take a, to. Uh, I'd like to take a moment to recognize the entrance of the most important character in all of Star Wars. Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. It's great. I, I honestly, okay, you guys got to see something here. You're so much of stuff. <laughs> You're so saving me again. So, so, uh, so Jar Jar happens to be one of my favorite characters. So uh, my, uh, my lovely girlfriend uh, made me this birthday card. Uh, with uh, a jar jar on it, oh and she goodness. drew that whole thing. Uh, wow, that's actually really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Took her took her six hours apparently. Wow, I hope it was worth Josh using like half your viewership by mentioning who your favorite character was. 
Quest. Just calling it out flat out. He's like, yeah. Jar Jar, Jar, Jar <laughs> is one of the one of the best, man. He's he, he's a joke in the in the movies and there, outside of the it, movies. You just said it, man. He's a joke. That's all yeah. we need. That's, that's, all. that's what's so funny about it. He's so ridiculous that it's a good time making jokes about the character. You know, <laughs> it, it's almost like it's almost like uh, he's become like the next kind of. Like the almost like a Chuck Norris or something. Like you, like it's it's a, it's a thing. Like, Dude, yeah. Okay, all right. I don't I don't hate Jar Jar by any means. I don't think like you, you can't really put freaking Jar Jar Binks and Chuck Norris on the same playing field, dude. Like, like, come on. You know, I put Jar Jar Binks on, like, the same level as one of those, like, characters that's, like, the comic relief in, like, a Disney movie or something. Like, the one that doesn't have any lines, but just, like, bumbles around and does stupid stuff the whole time. Like, the, uh, it's, like, a little bit yeah, like, yeah, yes, exactly. Is the equivalent of the chicken for Moana. Like, I don't, I don't hate, I don't dislike his character, but that, that's what he is. That's where, that's where he is in the hierarchy of uh, characters. Yeah, Chuck, Chuck Norris is like at like the god tier of <laughs> characters. Martial artists, uh, skilled actors, you know, just all around, like incredibly talent, incredibly talented uh, cowboys, human being. Yes, all of the above. <laughs> sort of a superhuman, you might say. <laughs> the thing about Jar Jar, thing about Jar Jar, is that somehow, some way, unless unless you're the kind of person that just hates him with a burning passion, oh right? It, he somehow, some way, always brings a smile to somebody's face. You know, you see a rubber Jar Jar mask, you hear the voice, right? Like, like it just cracks people up. That's true. Everyone knows uh, the voice, like, immediately. Yeah. He's a back! It's iconic. He's a back! <laughs> yeah, I never noticed till right now, all of the background characters all are wearing Jar Jar's costume. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they didn't even bother giving them different clothes. That's pretty cool. all wearing these like, ru- like just, off leather vests. They're a utopian society, man. They just <laughs> they got it figured out. It is utopia. <laughs> yeah, this guy. This guy's one of my favorite characters from this movie. Just because. <laughs> He's just so ridiculous, boss man. So funny, boss nas. <laughs> it's like people point this out, and there's good reason for it. He doesn't look like any of the other uh, Goongans at all. No, yeah, no, he's yeah. like he's more like Jabba the Hutt than any of the like other a, Goongans. Like a different race. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he does look true. pretty different. Yeah, I think he's the well, he's the only one that has a bit of weight on him, right? Yeah, like later on when you see him walking around, I was shocked that the guy could move. I thought he'd be like the hovering around on a little platform or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two steps, he's out of breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pick me up. It's weird that he, he also doesn't have the eye stalks. Man, that's true. Yeah, everyone else does, but him. Oh yeah, it's pretty massively different. Like he looks like mm-hmm. he's a dead yeah. race. He's the yeah, Goonigan yeah, master is. race. That's true. That's a good point, actually. It's, it's possible he could be like some sort of master race. Yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. 
Just like a superior like, race. I don't think it was ever addressed. Do you know if Filoni ever talked about that? I freaking, I freaking love the idea that there could be a superior race of Gungan out there. <laughs> so do, do you go with like Gungan or Gungan? <laughs> it's, they, uh, it's Gungan. Gungan. <laughs> yeah, I like saying Gungan now just because George said that one time yeah. in a video. I think yeah. it's awesome. The Gungans. <laughs> <laughs> I think George was the kind of guy that never concerned himself with pronunciation ever. Like, no, he was like, yeah, the nerds will figure it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to finish all of my like my deals and my arguments like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Could you imagine like the amount of like saliva is just everywhere? You just like, hey, take, everywhere. take five steps back. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, these days that'd be like a covid hazard as well oh my goodness <laughs> oh dude you'd get like quarantine lockdown immediately they'd yeah, be like they'd crucify you if you did something like that now yeah yeah, Just, yeah. I mean, the real reason they make everyone wear masks is because people are doing that all the time you know what, dude? You just you just espouse it as like a new culture or something. You can be like, listen, in my culture, it's completely natural to spit on each other when we talk. It's encouraged. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, there's always a bigger I've, fish. I've always liked this movie for the amount of crazy creatures that it's got in it. Exactly. It's great. Like we don't just like see new scenery and planets and stuff. Like we see like new species and out creatures yeah yeah it's cool it's funny how star wars always has like that one like kooky creature that starts chasing them yeah. space worms and oh yeah fish. big goober fish <laughs> <laughs> then there's just the massive yeah. of love this part there's always a bigger fish i love it <laughs> Just the freaking absolutely shredded fish. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a fish that ripped in my entire life. It's like Godzilla down there. Dude, just like, yeah, man. Like, freaking nuts. Look at that thing. It just tears it off. I know. He's just throwing away meat. What's up with that? It's just like flexing. <laughs> just think about that. It's a waste of meat. I love watching the the lips animation. So animatronics <laughs> on the on the Nemoidians. Yeah, it's funny because as soon as uh, they did Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, like they did replace some of the, the aliens and creatures with with digital. I mean, they did that with Yoda as well, but they purposely kept the Nemoidians as the robotic looking face people, right? Like like they, they didn't change those guys. Yeah, they didn't change them. And and it, I've always kind of wondered why. And other than from a continuity point of view, because they, they replaced Yoda, right? So I, I don't I bet I know that. what it is. Well, judging by the Asian accent and kind of like the basis of the characters, I bet George wanted it to look like it was dubbed like an old Asian movie. That's true. I would be because surprised. He, he actually, if he, that that's was a good point because he loves his Japanese movies. He loves them. His Japanese samurai exactly movies. Yeah. You probably like the look that it looked out of sync like it was dubbed. Yeah. That's actually an interesting thing because, like, uh, the Queen of Naboo's character or whatever, like, her entire, like, appearance is, like, that of, like, an oriental, like, 
uh, uh geisha character or something he's a geisha yeah yeah and i guess the jedi are kind of like samurais basically they're very samurai-esque yeah mm-hmm. i mean like darth vader's helmet has strong motifs from that sort of design yeah too. yeah, that's yeah a it's really kind of point. wow this is totally like how i look at all of star wars now <laughs> before it used to just be space nazis but now they're like japanese space nazis like yeah. it's yeah. crazy it makes sense because like a lot yeah. of this- george's original concepts are based off the old spaghetti westerns that were done in the states and japan in like the uh, yeah was it the 50s? Speaking of which, Magnificent Seven, amazing movie. Hmm. Classic. Some of these exterior shots of uh, the palace and stuff, they're insane miniature work. Like, there's a lot of miniature work that happened in the prequels. And, like, the, the outside yeah. of the Boo Palace area, it's a giant miniature. It looks amazing. Yeah. They did a lot That's of that. Like what they did with uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it came out around the same time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still think a lot of it holds up so much better than stuff we see today. Yeah, there was a lot of ingenuity going in on this, yeah. So that right there is uh Kira Knightley. In Sorry, the black right costume. Here? Yeah, that's Kira Knightley in the black, oh. in the black dress. Oh, and she oh, played wow. Natalie Portman's double uh for the Queen. Oh, yeah, so that's Natalie right there, right next to Captain Typho. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I read it. I watched an interview with the two of them and the, for the life of them, they could not understand why they kept on dressing up as each other. And it didn't make sense <laughs> until the movie. But yeah, it was quite funny. Like uh, Kira Knightley explained it on, uh, I think it was the Graham Norton show or something. It was it was a good clip. That's really interesting. Is this before she really got famous? Where she was it like? Yeah, she was. She was. The, she was not the most famous back then. Yeah, because she. They were both pretty young, of course. Yeah. I know Natalie still says this is like a black speck on her career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Oh. And there you see Darth Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I love how earlier when uh, the Nabubians were on call, <laughs> just after they're talking, talking to fight the uh, Trade Federation, talking about the droids or their army being like battle hardened. And every scene mm. you see the droids in, they're just absolute garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> it's something that uh, it's cool how they evolved the droids throughout the prequels and the Clone Wars because originally they're controlled by the droid control ships and they talk very yeah. robotically and they're not very good. And then by the time of the Clone Wars, they're all independently operated. Uh, although there's still a master switch somewhere, uh, thanks to the little tidbit from Revenge of the Sith, but they don't need a droid control ship to be powered on on a planet, right? They, they operate on their own. And then their voices and their brain chips or whatever are so much more advanced because they sound more fluent and they actually speak like less robotically. But they also were, if I'm not mistaken, more prone to error, were they not? So like they, they, were, they were pretty dumb. They were pretty dumb. Yeah. Like they, they were, yeah, they were less robotic and a little more kind of like, like a both, regular both into, Star Wars. Yeah. There was both, there was both yeah. pros and cons. I think overall they were made more intelligently, but, but 
they're also pretty stupid because they're made in mass productions amount you know mm-hmm. and made Probably to be, to be cheap, as cheap right? as possible yeah yeah because that's one thing that actually i prefer about the prequels or from the ed menace to the follow two films is is exactly that the droids here seem more menacing than the the comedy version of them following this that's true that's true yeah but and this is during a time, of course, where the battle droids were being produced um, without anticipation of a of a giant galactic scale war, right? Like the, sure. these are the the droids that are owned by the Trade Federation as kind of a small. Uh, I mean, they have like yeah, they do have invasion armies at the ready to go, but um, it's not like they're preparing to fight you know, millions of clone troopers kind of thing at yeah. this point. So, uh, so yeah, I think they are made to be a little more, uh, what you might call rigid. They're like security. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like in a way they're a little more, um, solidly built, I guess you could call them compared to like later on when, uh, mm. I mean, they're the same, but even though they're more, they're smarter and can see more and stuff, uh, I think they're all, there's also like a huge flaw there with how dumb they can be at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they, why they went with the clone army thing, right? Is that they can think independently, unlike the uh, yeah. battle droids. It's it's like it's like a toaster. Like if you bought a toaster <laughs> 40 years ago, it, it might do less than a toaster today, but it'll still probably last longer. Whereas if you buy a toaster now, it might have all the gadgety bits on it. It might look like a like a Darth Vader's helmet or something like that, but but it's not going to last you like five years, right? So I look I look at battle droids like the same way as I do with like modern technology compared to older technologies. That stuff has improved, but at the same time, the quality's gone down. Yeah, that's very true. That's a really good point. Yeah. So my understanding love- of, of like hyperdrives in Star Wars is all energy based, not like a fuel. I guess no, they, they recanonized that with Solo, right? So it's like yeah, but yeah, those really tiny fuel cells. So at the same time, it's like how can they be leaking that as they're flying through space? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like they never used the term, right? But it's possible that when they say hyperdrive leak they could possibly mean something to do with how the coaxium is used inside the hyperdrive engine or something mm. like that. Right. Like it's like the equivalent of like a, like a motor oil, like a lubricant or something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I don't know. I love how they do all the introductions in this movie. Cause it, it is like, you know, it, it's, it's been, um, it was relabeled way back in, in the, I think it was 1981 or something like that. When, when a new hope was relabeled as episode four so the original trilogy hadn't even finished coming out yet by the time that this movie was intended to be the fourth one that you should watch mm. and uh like george has always said on video this is a movie that goes from one to six and it's intended to be seen from parts one through six and uh and i love how perfect every single introduction is like the introduction to r2d2 and the fact that his aesthetic and his visual design is reminiscent of his home planet 
which is Naboo, which is all very rounded and, you know, all the buildings have dome heads on them and right. uh, everything's just so well done. And then the introduction to Darth Maul. Yeah, enough said about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like Darth Maul's design was fairly iconic for the whole, like, supervillain sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good representation of Satan. Yeah, yeah I mean, he just sure. seethes evil. Yeah, exactly. It's a stark contrast to the next villain that you get in Attack of the Clones being Count Dooku and this older guy who's a lot more calculating, a lot more uh, kind of devious and mm. not as visually striking to be a villain, but he he he's supposed to be like that. Like he's the guy that deceives half the Senate into following him away from the Republic. Yeah. Right? So as a part of his character, he's supposed to be that old wise guy that you just follow in mm. the wrong direction. And something that a lot of people miss uh, is that ironically, he's Qui-Gon's ex-master. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then of course the introduction of Tatooine is so perfect as well. Just like, you know, this whole sequence and how they introduce Anakin and his family. And mm. I wish they explained. This is going to come up a little bit later, but that they have that chip in their neck that if they try to escape, it'll explode. Because like they kind of talk about it, but I didn't realize at all that that's what Anakin was talking about for the longest time. Yeah, it's kind of glazed over a bit. Yeah. Because, like, that's kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jabba's or hmm. <laughs> I love I love the, dung, the, the dung that he steps in bubbles like when he like steps <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. Yeah. gross. It's like <laughs> I think I'm behind you guys in the movie, maybe by like ten seconds or so. Oh, that's all good. Yeah. yeah. We should know what we're talking oh, yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have lots of that.
Alcatraza, <laughs> Alcatraza. Shut up. <laughs> Honestly, I really like Watto a lot. I think George did a fantastic job making him like this really like skeezy trade dealer. Yeah. Even if totally yeah. just give like like a this kind of like rough Jewish accent. <laughs> It's, ex- it's excellent. Uh, it's an excellent char- character building uh, for for like a quick introduction. And- but uh, don't don't forget to take notes, guys. Best opening one liner in the world: asking some chick if she's an angel. Are you yeah. an angel? Aren't you an angel? Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Are you speaking from experience? <laughs> person and my name is Anakin. <laughs> so Josh, maybe you can fill us in. Gordula the Hut, is that one of the huts in the the inner circle? That, uh, Gard- Gardula the Hut is part of the uh the the Hut clan, yeah. Like okay. uh you actually um I don't know if, if it's I think you catch a glimpse of Gardula possibly in this movie. Uh and if Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's that second I, I, there, the female. I think, yeah, I think that's Gardula, and uh, otherwise, uh, she is or he, I don't even know anymore, uh, is mentioned uh, as as part of the the Hut, um, the Hut clan in the Clone Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe the the name comes up again. Yeah, because now there's that group of four or five of them. Yeah. Holy <laughs> 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 money! <laughs> we we make water jokes all the time, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> He's so quotable. Yeah, he really is. He really is. I love this design of like the whole like junkyard. Dude, what a low-key flex. It wouldn't have lasted this long anyways if I wasn't so good at building things. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, what are you doing later? Like good. Yeah. Maybe I can swing by and build you something. Yeah. <laughs> That's a flex from like a nine-year-old kid there. <laughs> yeah. You're pretty good with these Legos. You can build all sorts of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the line always feels so out of place to me. <laughs> Yippee! I think I don't know what that is that that Jabba said then because that was like the exact same line. Oh, you wanna wonga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, like Hatties. 
Yeah, in the hot teas. I don't think the language is very diverse. <laughs> no. Oh, 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 oh. It's, it's subtle, dude. It's subtle. Yeah. The same words mean different things in different contexts. That's true, I guess. <laughs> wow, talk about like ugliest, most unlikable characters in Star Wars. <laughs> like the thing that hobbles around yeah. on its arms and uses oh, his legs and hands. That's the this long. Ugh. There's a Clone Wars arc where we go to the homeworld of the Dugs and uh, they oh unleash uh, what's that, something called the Zillow Beast. And. Um, Oh, the Zillow Beast is also yeah. pretty ugly, but uh, but oh, yeah, the yeah. dogs are the dogs are a pretty ugly race. The dogs are about as attractive as they sound, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Feel bad for all the dogs out there. I always just think of Bryce when I see this woman. <laughs> what? I, he always he always references her. <laughs> oh, storms are raking. Storms coming in. Must be getting home. Did Bryce say that? I don't remember this. Yeah, he says it all the time. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's yeah. such an obscure line to quote. <laughs> It's the most random pop-up character with like two lines in the entire movie. But man, this movie's just so quotable altogether. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So good. People hate it, but they'll quote it all the time. I know so exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> That's why I love this movie so much. Like like they it's it's so uh, legendary, you know? Like is, is oh, that a statue of Maz Kanata? Yeah. That's <laughs> Legend. <laughs> yep. You ever played that scoop ball? Yeah. Right next that's, to that's, that's just hanging on the like wall. Yeah. yeah, I used to have a set of those in plastic. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I thought this was pretty cool seeing him with all his uh, plating off. So good. And and Anthony Daniels actually puppeteered him too. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. He wore a special suit with sticks attached to his forehead and all his joints that stuck out in front of him attached to this robot thing. And whenever he moved, it moved in front of him like the robot. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was quite quite interesting the way they did it. And then they just painted him out. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I always assumed this was animatronics and just done with different yeah. camera angles, yeah. trying to hide it and like it's uh, ineptability. I think I think it's some yeah, in some camera angles, I, I don't think he was always there. But when you when you see him walking around uh, head to toe, that's that's him driving just the contact the, me the rig. That's pretty cool. I love that their comms are just razors. 
like like yeah. Yeah. razors. Yeah. Shaver, yeah. This is the first shot that they ever did for the movie. Mm. Oh, this scene right here on Coruscant? Yeah, I believe this is the first take that they ever made uh, for the Phantom Menace. That's pretty cool. What happened to the Sith? Like, what does he mean revenge about what? When did the Jedi, like, genocide the Sith? Over over a millennia ago, so like a thousand years prior to the Phantom Menace, the Sith yeah. kind of went into hiding, right? So, For the okay. fall, just after the fall of the Sith Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it just like a literal like genocide, basically? Like the Jedi just wiped them out? Uh, in canon, they haven't really established too much other than that they're just gone uh, as of a thousand years ago. So it's either that or they even wiped out themselves because... They're so selfish in the way that they they did stuff, right? It's it uh, <laughs> working against them because everyone was trying to gain control over each other. So that's yeah. why Darth Bane uh, made the rule of two, and and that's that is part of the canon actually. Mark Hamill voices Darth Bane in the Clone Wars, and um, since that establishment, you only ever have a master and an apprentice, and so for a thousand years they've been like building on top of each other, kind of gaining strength as they've replaced one another. And uh, now they're, you know, with with Palpatine's grand plan sort of thing, like he's he feels like he's the one that's going to be the one to take the galaxy back. Yeah, because they have their own uh, prophecy, right? And Palps thinks that he's like the chosen one of the Sith prophecy as opposed to yeah. Anakin of the Jedi. Yeah, so I don't fully know if it's completely canon, the, the, the prophecy of the Sithari, but... Yeah, that is that is um, that is something that did pop up in the uh, the Book of Sith, and uh, you know you can find it on Wikipedia. But yeah, the Sithari is essentially the Sith version of the Chosen One, and it's a prophecy that essentially tells that someday a Sith will come and and take the galaxy back from the Jedi. Essentially, interesting. Over a thousand years of planning, and they shall rule the war or the galaxy for over hmm. forty years. It's not even like 20 years. <laughs> I actually like the idea that Anakin, that maybe the Sathari is a twisted version of the Chosen One theory, and that Anakin could be both the Sathari and the Chosen One because he's the balance, right? So, so I, like, I, like the, I like the concept. Yeah, I like the concept that Palpatine mistake, mistook himself for the Sathari, when in actual fact it's it's the boy he wants to try and pull to his side which in a way it's almost like he is just working towards his own downfall right i've always liked that kind of theory except for one fatal flaw and that's that anakin lost obi-wan in the duel crippling himself to be cyborg and always being at the mercy of palpatine's lightning right Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't until that very last moment, and that's why Luke is such a game changer, and and the only reason why Vader is redeemed in the end in in the first place is because of his own son. But, uh, but yeah. She's so young here; it's crazy. It is. Yeah, that's something I really love about this movie is seeing just how like young and pure-hearted that Anakin really is 
just knowing this like I meant Natalie Portman. <laughs> no, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, know you're I know who you're talking about. I'm on the, I'm, it's on a different note. <laughs> she's still got a baby face here. Yeah, she does, yeah. How old is she in this movie? I think she's about 16. She's really young. Yeah. Her character or in real life? In real life. And in, in her character is supposed uh, to be about 14 she, years old. Because Natalie sure Portman I mean, is, uh, she's Israeli, isn't she? Yeah. I think so. That's I right, guess yeah. she skipped out on her, uh, on the draft in Israel. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we take a moment to appreciate uh, what's his face is five o'clock shadow. Watos, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, his stubble. <laughs> right, I know. It's like just underneath. He's got like a neck beard going on. It's so greasy. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, no, the age gap between Padme and Anakin isn't actually supposed to be more than five years. But with casting it. It is significantly. <laughs> yeah. With like, casting it. Dude, it's like half, like a foot or two shorter than her in this movie. And then the next movie, he's like three he's feet taller, taller than her. Than her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Casting wise, I think there's a few more years on top of that. <laughs> like, dude, poor kid hit puberty hard. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> So Josh, are there any uh, toy Darian Jedi? Uh, you know, I don't think there is because they're immune to the well, force, for, right? To so be like the like towards using it themselves. Well, actually, I think it's the mind influence thing, but but I wouldn't be surprised if it had anything to do with the fact that there aren't any toy Darian Jedi. Because uh, it's yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean. I've I never mean, heard, I've never seen one, so it's likely that there just won't be just because of that little thing. But it's yeah. almost like uh, there are some species that they have established in canon as being more rare to have a Jedi. Uh, I know in Clone Wars there was a a mention Wookie. about how Wookies are a very rare race to be uh, force sensitive. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <sighs> heard that one before oh, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh i love how qui-gon also just like accepts it and not like ah she's lying she slept with some random guy yeah uh -huh. it doesn't question it at all I think, I think there's two ways of looking at Qui-Gon. He's either the most wisest, force-sensitive, you know, faith-based guy that there is, or he's just a complete idiot. <laughs> 
He's and just really buys naive. everything anybody yeah. says. Yeah. I had now there is no father. I just I just had him. It was miraculous. Oh, I'm not no way. <laughs> that is very surprising. I've <laughs> never heard of that before. He must be the chosen one. <laughs> There's Kinster. There's Kinster. I was just waiting for that too. Yep. I love the Where's Kickster campaign. They like tracked him down. Man, they did. And they brought him on the Star Wars show on YouTube. Oh, that's right. Yeah. For the Christmas special. <laughs> that's so <laughs> ridiculous that they did that. Christmas yeah. special. You know, I think it's kind of interesting, too, how Qui-Gon Jinn's character is, like, re like really isn't that, like, uh, committed to, like, freeing slaves or anything like that. Like, not that concerned with the whole concept of slavery. But nowadays, if they're, like, if this movie was to be made again, like, there's oh, yeah. no way that that would, like, be given a pass. Yeah, like... The only way this movie could exist if the whole like their, their whole freeing the slaves. It, like yeah, the whole storyline would revolve around like freeing, freeing the slaves and stuff like that. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't really care. He's just like I'm gonna free this kid just because we. He seems useful for the the Jedi Academy. But other than that, the rest of the slaves like just leave. They just you know continue on. As yeah, he's like that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to save this. Uh, royal kid or whatever the queen yeah the queen from Naboo mm -hmm. I think there was such a missed opportunity for humor in that scene where Jar Jar has his hand in that turbine there if Anakin just <laughs> accidentally turned it on like I would have pissed myself man like that that would have been so funny are you thinking like a scene where he's like slapping around in a circle or like Kind of like a blender sort of moment. <laughs> More like a blender, just completely loses his hand. <laughs> just shredded. Yeah. Just takes the kid's blood and yeah. casually lies to him. I yeah, know, right? Yeah. <laughs> just gonna check your blood pressure. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was funny is he even lies about what he's using the blood for. Yeah. 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 Not sure. The infamous line where Metachlorians come into existence. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> if, I, I don't have a problem with Metachlorians at all. <laughs> I'm still iffy on it. Like, I get, you know, their function. I still think it's kind of odd that they exist. Because, I mean, like, it's. Does, Pull it's away a, from what the original trilogy kind of built. I, I see. I think it builds on top of it because, like, in the original trilogy, they don't go into that stuff. But it's another layer a layer of saying, like, without the midichlorians, life would not exist. So every single alien species, whether they're Jedi or not, they have midichlorians in their bloodstream. It's just, and the way one of the most recent books put it, um, I think it was the, uh, the 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 secrets of the Jedi or something like that. It came out after after uh, Rise of Skywalker came out. Um, and there was a comment in there from Luke Skywalker that said 
that midi-chlorians are almost like a gateway. And the more you have, the more that you're immediately open to the force. But no matter how many you have or not, it doesn't mean that you're completely closed off. So it's so almost still, like in the, theory, anyone, even with a very low to nine metachlorine count, could. I think, yeah, and I, I think it's possible because you get those hints that Poe Dameron is force sensitive, but he's mm-hmm. not. He know and and yeah. exactly, same and with and uh, same mm-hmm. with Finn. But um, beneath and and Poe Dameron was the one that grew up beneath this like special force tree on uh, on endor or whatever like and and they was hinted to in the shattered empire comic book so i think there's Did he definitely up there? i thought he was just uh you know created there yeah no there was a it was a special tree seed that was planted there uh given by luke skywalker to poe dameron's parents which fought in the rebellion with luke and uh, and then poe dameron grew up beneath this this tree as as he got older and and it was uh uh, experimented on by the Empire a little bit, I guess, or with the Emperor, and and it was a, a very like, kind of force sensitive tree, the kind of tree that you might see on Dagobah or something like that, or whatever, you know, something a little mm-hmm. mystical, something very Star Wars, and uh, I like to think that maybe it had something to do with how tuned he is to feeling the force and why he's such a good pilot. So, um, yeah, midichlorians in short, I think it's a good way to look at it as almost like a gateway. Like the more midichlorians you have, the more open that door is to actually feeling the force and being able to use it practically. So you could think of it almost as like innate skill or some people just, it just comes to them more naturally. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, because the force can be used practically by Jedi, like to lift things or whatever, like I like to think it's the link between this mystical force and the the, the physical present. You know what I mean? Almost it's like, like almost like the channeling. it's like the the bridge between two different realities. Almost. Mm. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's like the doorway that it would flow through. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know if anyone noticed, but a moment ago when uh, Wada pulled out the chance cube, there was a glorious shot of his belly button. I wanted to point out. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to rewind later. <laughs> yeah, you wanna you wanna screen capture that one. Yeah. Just send it all to Josh. <laughs> I'm gonna make it my background. <laughs> yeah. <New> background, Josh. <laughs> Look at those guys just walking around in spacesuits. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, it's only, like, what, 40, 50 degrees out? No big deal. Oh, they're probably cooled. Internally cooled. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you have to, like, think with everything. It's like, that's probably a really high-tech suit. That's probably a really high-tech thing he's got there. <laughs> this is a, an excellent miniature. Most people don't believe that this is a miniature, but it's actually a miniature. Oh, of the racetrack? Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. And then they just CGI in all the characters or whatever. Yeah. In the balconies or whatever. That's yeah, cool. That's, right. that's pretty cool. I never, never would have occurred to me that was a miniature. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Some of the some of the photos of the miniature, I'm like, it blows me away every time. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, it's so real, so lifelike. Yeah, it's kind of a lost start. Hey, I don't know how many new movies really do that anymore. Yeah, it's a lost art. Yeah. Yeah. Costs too much money for people to do it. Mm-hmm. for sure yeah yeah i guess so it it looks so much 
better though. Like if the if it's done right, it looks so much better. Mm -hmm. He's the only sophisticated looking one. <laughs> Face only a mother could love. Yeah. <laughs> and George Lucas has a big thing for cars. He was a he was a big car guy. American um, graffiti. And, and, yeah, American graffiti. He loves his vehicles. He was in a massive car crash when he was younger. Yeah, I'm um, with it. Yeah, and and a lot of the inspiration that came from some of the ships and stuff is also based on like lifelike vehicles. But I think it was always like, he put so much emphasis on the pod races in this movie. Like, you know, when you well, watch the sense. behind the scenes I was just thinking video, about the fact that the pod race is like 40 <laughs> minutes long, like a big chunk of the movie. Yeah. It doesn't feel like movie, it's yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's for this movie. I mean, Anakin has two, victories in this in this film like number one is winning his freedom and winning the race and then the second victory is taking down that that starship mm, yeah. like above naboo right and saving naboo so yeah, i mean command for, yeah so even though he is just a boy in this and and introduced like much later in the film um he is still one of the heroes of this story and in part you know it, by by extension uh the whole prequel trilogy as well like he's a, a massive part of why this movie works out the way it does does anyone else remember all the different lego pod racers they made oh yeah. my gosh man those I, are so I cool mine, i wanted them so bad all of them uh, I, I i bought i bought the anakin pod oh, racer man. recently I don't think I cared. I don't think I cared at all about the pod racers. I was like, "Give me that Death Star and Star Destroyer." That's yeah, one of the super enough. Star Destroyer. I was. I just went. I was like, "Whoa, give me the big one." And the Jabba yeah, the Hutt just, uh, sail barge. See, I think that's Gardella yes. back there. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking that the, the scowling woman in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I think my favorite design is probably Sabalba's with like the, this uh, is the V-shaped engines, right? Yeah, yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, I just thought that was such a cool design. Yeah, they're all really then, well creatively designed. They actually built full-scale engines for a lot of these pod racers too. Man, that must have been so much work. Wow. It was a lot of work because uh, they actually had a, when they were filming this, uh, they had a massive storm that happened in uh, in the desert and um a lot of the pod racers got ruined and they had to redo oh, wow. all of that work yeah. so completely unusable yeah i mean i'm sure they made their money back on like toys and stuff like that replicated yeah. after them yeah well, oh, still this movie say, made a lot of money yeah if you travel the deserts of, of tanea you can find bits of a pod racer engine all over yeah. Oh, did you know that there's a place in um, I can't remember if it's uh, Libya or Tunisia that's actually called uh, Tatawin oh that's awesome yeah it's so close <laughs> yeah that's such a classic like car shot for races for movies yeah. and, the, and the sound design on this is amazing oh, yeah yeah I love that spits out the head of the freaking right. worm. 
Oh no! <laughs> oh, I forgot to turn it on. There's <laughs> oh. Warwick, Warwick Davis. <laughs> oh yeah! Don't tell me oh, actually his face. Who's yeah. <laughs> that guy? It's hard to believe he grew up to be an Ewok. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, uh, Warwick, Warwick Davis uh, played uh, Wicket the Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, he was a boy. Hilarious. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he just got out of an Ewok costume. I'm gonna yes. <laughs> so, another little thing is his character that's in this movie is. Is uh is the character that Warwick Davis plays in this movie in the crowd there is the same character that shows up in Solo, uh, that he follows uh he's following the the Millennium Falcon around and and he and he's working with the those that rebel cell on the uh, on whatever the planet's called to get the coaxium making a cameo. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Bounty the weird, like pirate raiders or whatever that are yeah. led by like a twelve year old. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so Warwick, Warwick Davis's character is one of those guys. Wow. And it's established that it's the same character. Yep. Wow. They missed a shortcut going up the ramp. Bummer, dude. I know. Always got to hit those shortcuts, man. Yep. Oh, that's not a shortcut. <laughs> and the Tuscan Raiders are such trolls. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's so good. Wow, I can't see him. He's so short. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene where Jaffa has that little snail thing or whatever, and he just flicks yeah. him off the light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why? Oh, this guy has a rare and highly advanced technological innovation. The rear camera. Yep. <laughs> you know, I used to really like the design of the guy in the donut, but it's mm -hmm. really... There's got to be a massive hindrance because you can't see where he's going. 
He's It's also probably like the least aerodynamic like pod racer. <laughs> oh, absolutely. probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still quote that guy once in a while. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder who the voice actor was behind that Gator, the Gator guy. <laughs> I need a t-shirt with just that guy's face on it. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's not enough merchandise out there with him. A crocodile guy with like a uh, like a yeah. or something covering his eyes. Yeah, Blindfold. exactly. <laughs> My grandfather has one of those for when he's shopping. (laughs) Man, if you even just think about the sheer amount of geometry they had a model for this race course like that's crazy. oh yeah. yeah yeah it does a lot of work yeah it is a lot especially back then when like they're uh like the scenes wouldn't be able to handle that much geometry at least that like no. a decent resolution so right yeah, yeah. it's so heavy yeah they had to be very careful with the way that they did this stuff Laundry looks really good, though. You can tell some of it's like sets. Like yeah, you can tell some of it's still miniature. Yeah. Like yeah, like that last bit was CG. This yeah. is CG, but uh, like two shots back, that was miniature. This is all CG. What you so stressed out about, kid? Those are bonus points you're hitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he the... goes. There yeah. he goes. Yeah. Shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> full set, full set. Yep. You hit the That's why shortcut. whenever I miss my turn, I think, oh, it's just a shortcut. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Roads are overrated, man. Yep. Did you guys did you guys ever try the pod racing arcade game where you actually sat in Anakin's pod and you had like the steering wheels on the sides? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I remember that. I actually vaguely remember this. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Man, I wonder if you can like find these around somewhere. I, I've seen them online listed for like five thousand dollars or more. Like they're not. That's cheap. actually not. That's actually cheaper than I thought it would have been. It's, be it's cheaper than yeah. It's cheaper yeah. than you thought. Yeah. But uh, like, I bet but then, you it was course, more than that like, brand new, if not the same. Yeah. You think by now it's vintage. Most of the cost is definitely for uh, transport. Like the aesthetic, the aesthetic <laughs> of like the the seat and everything. But I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's funny is there's uh, I forget the name, but the double-headed guy there. He's uh, the main voice is like this really famous comedian. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's um, that guy's name? Greg Proops. So uh, he's voiced by Greg Proops. That's quite yeah. the gig. 
Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he was commonly on the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? If you remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. He wasn't one of the main guys, but if any of them could make it, he was always the first guy to be, like, the backup. Mm. So... There's a Sega Star Wars Racer arcade pod sit-down video game listed for 800 US dollars. It's probably worth <laughs> it. It's actually not too bad, actually. That's that's pretty good. Sega. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Sega did the original arcade. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's like a proper like uh, screened game yeah. uh, arcade. The built-in TV. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Okay, yeah. I thought you were just thinking like a cartridge that would go oh. into a Sega. I'm like, eh, 800's Nin- a bit steep for that. <laughs> it's uh, like 90s, early 2000s simulator style. Uh, I, honestly, I, I would kill for a VR brand new pod racing game. Uh, that'd be pretty that'd be cool. Pretty I still just want, like, man, the destruction I shot is so well done. It's so it's good. Great. It's so cool, man. Like, Reminds me of um, the newer uh, Mad Max Fury Road movie. Like, just watching all the co- like vehicle destruction is so yeah. entertaining. Like, such a stellar job, man. It looks so yeah. cool. Yeah. It's like, but they really got the aerodynamics down in this one here. Yeah. Like, the big pieces, they actually look like they're made out of, like, a carbon fiber flaps and stuff i have a lot of drag mm-hmm. looks nice yeah. like sheets of metal and stuff yeah yeah exactly chava fell asleep i love it <laughs> man bib Tor- fortuna is an ugly twi'lek yeah yeah it's so bad <laughs> is it twi'lek yeah 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 he is He's yeah. a he's he a different albino Twi'lek or something. He's, he's yeah, kind of like a he's like a subspecies of Twi'lek that has like the 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 extra long and the the third antenna on the back or whatever. Dude looks like so, a freaking walking worm, or, dude. Lake la- 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 sorry. Yeah, the Lake Uh He's got like three Lake instead of two Lake So this. <laughs> Man, that is that's something. Yep. Quite the beer belly on him, Watto. Just ironic, yeah. He flies. Yeah. You think that would really hold yeah. him back? Yeah, you think, yeah. dude. He's like a bumblebee. No reason, like based on the laws of physics, that he should fly, but he flies. Yeah. Yeah. But bumblebees tend to fly very drunkenly. <laughs> and he doesn't. No, he's look. Look at him. He's holding still really well, like a hummingbird. I mean. I don't think his wings are flapping fast enough. Like with someone with that that amount of weight at that size, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I think the wings should be going a little faster. I mean, like, his, maybe his bones his are hollow. Helium. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing Star Wars doesn't care about physics because yeah. otherwise we'd be doomed. That's <laughs> true. Why do I fear we picked up another useless life form?
Yeah, I freed him so he can come work for me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now he's indebted like to the Jedi Academy. Labor. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that really like looks bad in like other people's views of the Jedi. Like as soon as they start getting a bad reputation later on, is like mm -hmm. you know they're these they're these like crazy religious people that like basically kidnap children, children when they're like yeah. Yeah. years old and yeah, training them up when they're like kind of basically just toddlers. Do you yeah. think if they've been doing that for a thousand years, they'd have like a really terrible reputation? So it's odd that this child would want to join these like kid slavers yeah but they get laser swords yeah it makes right? it makes the jedi look very kind of almost like weirdly culty Malevolent. in a way yeah because yeah. because the jedi is like one of many like force religions right like there's quite a few out there I mean, in episode seven, like you know, you're introduced to like the Church of the Force. In Rogue One, you got the the Guardians of the Wills. Yeah, mm -hmm. but how many of them are widely the known amongst the general population of the galaxy? Yeah, I, exactly. There's, I mean, because it's so it's such a big galaxy. As a viewer of Star Wars, you're aware of so much more than like what many of the people you see in the movies are actually aware of, right? So, uh, I mean, and then you have like the dark side religions like the night sisters and the sith and uh mm. you know the list kind of goes on from there but mm -hmm. was that crazy gungan cult remember them <laughs> oh that's right yeah yeah there's yeah. uh even the, the gungans and the clone wars they have the the mystical guy that's uh yeah and they're using uh, like they're, like trapping force energy in those crystal balls or whatever exactly yeah yeah, that's that's another one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the ones uh, in the uh, season uh, six of the Clone Wars, there was a planet where, uh, yeah, Jar Jar's got a friend who's like the queen of that planet, and uh, yeah, they have their own right. thing going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, they've got their own thing. Interesting first-person shot there. Not very common in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I don't think I don't think there's any other first person I, shots in the whole saga. I don't think there is. I think that's the only one right there from C-3PO's perspective. And yeah, honestly, my guess is it's only because that room was too small to film <laughs> 3PO in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I always thought Anakin's goodbye with his mother is one of the saddest moments of this whole movie. Mm -hmm. Like, like this is the big moment for him. Like. actually really good acting especially considering he's like this like he is kid. how old is he actually like in real life during this movie yeah it's like a nine or a, a he's really or young yeah yeah it's hard to believe he went from this to like attack of the clones yeah like the whole love this scene situation this Hating is sand uh, the first big moment for anakin because he like <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people who get adopted in the Jedi are so young that they don't remember their family. But Anakin yeah. was taken in late, so he has that attachment. He knows what it he knows what it feels like to be loved, and I don't. think that's a big thing. 
too old to make it to yeah, compared to like other, <laughs> compared to other Jedi, like he's got a lot more that he's like lived out and and felt right, and and that's why he's such an emotional guy in a in a place where his emotions are essentially taken from him, not by choice, but like, by this commitment. So, it's one of the first failures I think that has Anakin, come Anakin's drop. way. Did they ever explain why Maul didn't use the other half of his lightsaber in this scene? Honestly, from a story perspective, it's just for the big reveal later on. Right. But I do right. wonder if he yeah, had used sense. it if he would have beaten Qui-Gon here. Well, it yeah. would have been a lot more work from like the CGI perspective, wouldn't it? Because then they'd have to edit in like two of the... It would be, but my understanding, what I've heard, is George did not care about that whatsoever. Uh, you just expected it to be done. Yeah, it I guess it costs just, uh, a lot more money. It would just, it would take a bit longer, but not, not like a significant amount of time. Like if you're already doing one lightsaber, doing the second half isn't a lot of extra work. Gorgeous planets. Best chair ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, want one. I need one of those ones, yeah. I'll yeah. never have to get up again. <laughs> Go Especially to my fridge. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is I need another more. soda. <laughs> <laughs> I like the design of that chair because it's so easy. They could have made the easy choice to just go with the hover chair. Yeah. But they yeah. purposely they purposely went with the spider legs and, and yeah. it's just cool. It's just cool. It is cool. But it's also if you think about it for just a second longer, they're like this marble palace and it's probably just chipping the floor everywhere it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you just, just like, see, like all these little nicks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a trail of them throughout the, the whole palace. <laughs> you intentionally pick that chair to piss off the Nabubians just a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, Nabubian, you like my, you like my chair? What do you think of this? It starts like going a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> shuffling. Yeah, it just starts dragging half of itself across the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Dragging the hind legs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good, man. If you watch carefully, this necklace makes a few appearances throughout the prequels. And uh, the very last shot that you see Padme in Revenge of the Sith at her um, at her memorial or her funeral is like the, the has, camera yeah. the camera transition kind of has this circle eclipse effect onto the necklace that she's holding in her hands as she's being yeah. pushed along in her coffin yeah 
and it's like reflective of this moment when like he gives it to her And so Shakespearean, too, for it to have a meaning of it'll bring you good fortune mm. and uh, just the way that things worked out. Right. Like yeah. it's very, very Shakespearean. The whole prequel trilogy is very Shakespearean. What do you think about it? Mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind oh, of it is. It's so dramatic. It like the entire yeah. love it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Yeah. yeah. It's so dramatic. And yeah, it is such a like big, like bombastious tragedy. Mm hmm. Shows little submarines in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people like it when the heroes don't win. That's what I just found in general. I think people love movies where it's not obvious that the heroes are actually going to win the story. Like, people love Infinity War over Endgame. People love The Empire Strikes Back over A New Hope. People love Revenge of the Sith over the rest of the prequel trilogy. Like, because it ends on a darker note. So I think is that's the part they're drawn to, or they're just drawn to maybe it's more relatable because like you always feel like you're fighting against these great like yeah forces and it's right? and it's the unexpected. I mean, like it's so. Uh, I mean, at times it can be considered campy, and other times it's just like obvious or whatever. When the good guy wins at the end of the day, you know, like um, yeah, for me, like I like originality and unpredictability in a movie. Like, exactly, I get really yeah. tired of seeing movies all the time where it's just like I can literally predict the end of the movie, like the moment I sit down and start watching the movie. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, this guy's sure. gonna live through the whole movie. He's gonna kill the bad guy, and then they're all gonna be good. He's gonna get That's the girl. It'll be fine. Yeah, and that is partially also just the issue of Hollywood. Yeah, I've kind of just been repeating the same thing for the past fifty years. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But that's why it's so like it's so entertaining when you finally are watching a movie where it's like, oh dang, like I, you know, the good guys didn't just straight up win. Like, mm -hmm. what are they gonna have to do? Mm -hmm. Man, Jar Jar's got ugly feet. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that earlier. He's got like elephant Jar Jar in general. They're like ugly. stumped. Yeah, they're built like Jar Jar, Josh. We get like elephant. Hey, I like Jar Jar. I don't mind his character. I think he's funny, but yeah, he's he's not. A, there's nothing attractive about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think one of your guys' mics is like overloading. I think it's yeah, Blake's. I hear it too. Is it Blake's? Might be the sensitivity or something. 
So something I never got about this scene is like this isn't the actual queen because she's always like the handmaiden, right? But does the false queen have the authority to instigate the vote of no confidence, or was it actually Padme that was? Convinced? Well, I think this is actually Padme right now. So this, yeah, so that is actually Padme. Forth, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But but yeah, I think I think that's a good question because I think they actually communicate and whatever whatever the body whatever the double does has the uh the uh the go ahead by by uh Padme essentially. Right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Cuz there's a few times where they kind of look at each other if you're watching very carefully. Like there's there's once or twice um especially when they're about to leave Naboo and uh and uh when Padme looks over and says like we are brave your highness um like they they kind of like look at each other and she's like okay yeah I got you and then they just go along with it what's samuel L. jackson's character's name again mace windu. windu yeah mace windu i love that like of all the characters in star wars like he was able to say to george lucas i want a different colored lightsaber from everyone else so yeah. i can see myself in these movies <laughs> and he was like, yeah okay whatever it's, it's such all a right. it's such a samuel L. jackson thing to do though right <laughs> just like like I think he explains in an interview too. He's like, "Yeah, I wanted it so I could actually like see my like pick myself out in the fight scenes and stuff." Like, yeah, it's so funny. Just, like, like that's the only reason. Like, yeah, that's the right only there. reason. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so we're watching the uh, the Blu-ray version of uh, of this film, but uh, so that is CG Yoda uh, as opposed to. I was to actually going to bring this up. Yeah. yeah. So the one on Disney Plus that most of you guys at home are probably listening to this, um, the the Disney Plus version is in fact the latest release, and no more Puppet Yoda. So the latest. Yeah, greatest. I was gonna say I kind of liked Puppet Yoda, even though he looked a little burnt out. I mean, it might be rude to say, but I, I thought his face looked a little bit like a scrotum face of some kind. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it just like, looks sweaty and gross. And I don't know. You look really strung out is what he looked like. It didn't really do it for me. Like, I love the puppet in, Return, in, in Empire and, and Return of the Jedi, but, yeah. but the puppet for Phantom Menace was a failed attempt at trying to do a younger looking Yoda. And uh, because he ages so slowly, I think they should just, if they weren't wanted to use a puppet, they should just use the same puppet. Mm-hmm. They should have just used the same one. And then maybe just add yeah. a couple extra hairs to his scalp and call it a day. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they could have gotten away with that easy. See, now, what I don't like is that, uh, is that they could have replicated the, well, I guess, I guess it was okay for, for continuity's sake. But I don't know why they ended up opting for the puppet in, in uh, the sequels and, uh, the Last Jedi, like I don't know why they opted for the puppet when they they come so far. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. But honestly, guess it all so. just came down to like the, the directors being nostalgic to the original trilogy and not liking the prequels and what they had done, and just wanting to go back to like the originality of it. Yeah, but it's one hundred percent a call from the directors. Yeah, no doubt for sure. What species is the horn dude next to the chancellor? Um, I, that's a good question, actually. I don't know, but his name is Masamita. 
and mm-hmm. he's the the he's the speaker of the republic yeah it's probably on his uh, wikipedia profile hey uh chag chagrin oh okay yeah because they're like somewhat similar to like a like a twi'lek but they're like, close with like the head tails so, but instead yeah. they like turn into horns and additional horns Speaking of aliens in the Republic Senate, um, the Greblebs are an alien race that exists in Star Wars, and it is the same race as E.T. That's oh, awesome. yeah. oh, yeah, you yeah. see them in the... You see, you see them, them once. Place. Yeah, you see them very briefly. Yep. Vote now! Vote now! Vote now. Uh, <clears throat> he's taken by surprise. No, there they are. There they are. There they are. Bottom left. Bottom left. Yeah. There they are. Bone home. Bone home. <laughs> I don't get why we invite these guys. They just vote to phone home every time. Yeah, dude. We pay attention to what we're talking about. <laughs> So this is another good example, is it not, of Qui-Gon's contrast with, like, the legalistic ways of the Jedi? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like, a lot of what he does, like, the other Jedi kind of question a little bit, and Obi-Wan's a little resistant to some things that he does as well, because he's a very much a, the kind of guy that follows the code, just the re- like the rest of the Jedi. But Qui-Gon's always the kind of person that believes more in, like, the will of the Force over, over what the Jedi code is. So that's what makes him the ideal Jedi because he actually follows the ways of the Force over his his own kind of box that he builds around him, just like the Jedi have done. Like the Chrysler building there. Yeah. <laughs> Gungans get pasted too, eh? <laughs> Only if they can find them. Like Jar Jar is actually such a key character in the story, like whether people like it or not, because oh, yeah. he's he's the one that that brings forward 
the the unification between the Gungans and the Naboo people, right? Yeah, just like casually mentions. Oh yeah, just so you know, we have an enormous army. Like we've like we figured you guys hated us specifically because we have this ginormous army that's just chilling. We yep. still have an Aboombas. <laughs> yeah, we <we're> the Aboombas. <laughs> Yeah, also, Jar Jar is the one that starts to play the Republic directly into Palpatine's plan. Mm -hmm. Playing right into his hands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> casually tells him he's the chosen one, dang it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Josh, I'm sure you're about to bring up that just like Luke is too old to begin the training. Yeah. So no, like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Him and Luke and Anakin, both uh, the storylines kind of rhyme, as George put it. Yeah, totally. Like there's that symmetry that shows up through through the prequels and the originals like um, so, so well. I mean, you know, they're their lives kind of mirror each other is a little bit, uh, you know, they both came from Tatooine and, you know, one was a slave, one was a farmer, like <laughs> big difference there. Yeah. On Tatooine, it's, it's just as laborious and um, you know, it, and uh, they're both too old to begin the training. And, and in a way they both had the same master. I mean, like Luke, had Obi-Wan just as Anakin had Obi-Wan. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm sure both of them had a thing for power converters. Yeah. <laughs> Moisture evaporators. <laughs> yeah. I love that guy in the back right there, like that noodle neck. Oh, yeah. I know, right? Just casually swinging <laughs> his head back. Just like, Yarrow, like, like he's like, yeah. not even paying attention to what they're talking about. Just like, doo -doo 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 -doo. yeah, Yarrow <laughs> Poof is his name. And uh, if you actually, maybe we, maybe we can check it out after. But uh, Yarrow Poof, they made the a huge chicken. joke about him. Yeah, the robot chicken yeah, scenes are amazing. <laughs> so the Yarrow Poof, yeah, they're so good. Is he a comedian? 
Yeah, he's kind of mocked so. amongst the other Jedi, and he's kind of invisible, and they don't really care about him. And like, he makes all their coffee <laughs> runs and their food runs. And, like, they never pay him back. Like, yeah. yeah. And then so, so after the Jedi purge, like he comes into the in the council room after because he went out to get pizza, yeah. and then he comes back, Does and then they're all dead and gone. Yeah, and then he goes in, and he's like, "Oh no, I best hurry!" And then he goes to every single chair and like mocks every single Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, he sits in Yoda's chair. He's like, mm, Yoda, I am talk weird, I do. <laughs> uh, awesome. Forgot about Oh, here's the, here's the midi-chlorian thing. Dang, dude. So, yeah, so without midi-chlorians, life could not exist, is what Qui-Gon explains. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> literally all star wars fans i don't understand george lucas with time and training you will yeah you'll figure it out eventually yeah Yes, Sith, yeah. That's such a cool-looking ship. Mm-hmm. I know. That's one thing I love about this movie, or, like, the prequels, is that they killed it with some of the ship designs. Yeah, It true. changes with, like, every single movie, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually prefer, like, the Mark II of that Nubian cruiser. Like, yeah. Attack of the Clones is kind of like the giant so chrome cool. version of the fighter ships. Yeah, exactly. Man, such a cool. And design. then they blow it. Up. It's so cool. And then they blow it up right away. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, to this day, the Naboo N One Starfighter is one of my favorite ships. Yeah. It's like super sleek. It's got chrome on it. Yellow. <laughs> what could you awesome. need? I love it so much. Yeah. That's Dude, the one of the Naboo. first Legos I got. Yeah. See, I never, I've never owned it, and uh, I used to have the um, Darth Maul's ship. The mm. one he flies around in this one. I remember yeah, that. Oh, yeah, the Sith cool. Infiltrator. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty cool ship, too. Wait, I love how it's kind of got the TIE Fighter wings on it and they fold open. Yeah. I don't know why, but I always thought Obi-Wan's face looks so waxy and fake in the in these shots right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just it's like really his hair is. Yeah, his hair is not All moving. Like. There's something about well, it. Well, it's probably gelled to be like almost rock solid. I mean, this was like <laughs> early thousands, <laughs> dude. Like <laughs> early two thousands. Yeah, early two thousands gel. <laughs> yeah. hey, dude, I'm still living in the past. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
There's a nobody there. <laughs> so, so optimistic yeah. about it too. Right. Like, more likely they were wiped yes. out casually says like yeah I think they're all dead half of our so good half this population half this planet's population was like murdered wiped out no it's like Jar Jar comes back. It's right. like there's a nobody there. Everyone's like, yes, <laughs> they just packed up and left the galaxy. All right. <laughs> what uh, what happened to these guys under the Empire? Oh, uh, more likely they were wiped, wiped out. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nothing happened to them. Uh, well, I mean, they they had. Um, they had their yeah, I think their home world or something was was uh, occupied probably. I mean, by the probably empire, it was imperial control. Yeah, I would world. imagine. I would imagine so. Yeah. Didn't Palpatine? He hates his origins, right? Like he hates he, Naboo. Uh-huh. Yeah. So after the in the in the contingency plan that the emp, that the empire had after Palpatine's like, demise. Center. Yeah, before they decided to bring him back. Um, like, he was supposed to be gone, and a part of that contingency plan was to wipe out certain locations. And one of those things, which this also shows up in the Battlefront 2 campaign, is there's a bunch of massive satellites called uh, Project Cinder or something like that. And it was supposed to uh, create weather storms that essentially just wiped out the whole planet. And uh, Naboo, being uh, Palpatine's homeworld, uh, was the first or one of the first to be a victim of this project because. Uh, it was just a consequence for failing him. Uh, it's just his home world just gets wiped out. And, and then eventually, I guess, the you know, the rebels stop it and uh, it doesn't actually happen. But it probably all ties to also just the fact that he hated his parents so much. No, like, there's a fact, Duncan. Ro- royalty. <laughs> <and> <laughs> you just missed it. <laughs> no, I saw him too. I saw him too. Yeah. Ah. What, did his camera die? Oh, yeah, my camera died. Yeah, it's like my phone. He says Goongans. The Goongans? Goongans and Namubians. I love it. Right? Yeah. The Goongoons. The Best binoculars ever. Yes. I know, right? So practical. <laughs> like bowling balls on the sides. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> coming! coming! They're for enhancing. I can't remember. There was like a Nintendo 64 game where you got to play like speeders or something on Naboo and like blast stuff. I can't remember if it was... It was similar to like Rogue Squadron. I can't remember what the game was called. Oh. It was a cla- It was awesome game. <laughs> so Jar Jar just gets promoted here yeah. to uh, Bomb Bad General. <laughs> yeah. And you can see how good he is for that. 
<laughs> Shadows of the Empire. Was that it? The game? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't think there was because there was Rogue Squadron. Yeah. And then I don't think in Shadows of the Empire there was any of the prequel. Oh, it was Battle for Naboo. Like literally, <laughs> I think it was. There we go. Oh, wow. I'd never heard of that one actually. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Battle for Naboo and Rogue Squadron. Both those I played both those on the Nintendo 64. Super. Oh fun, yeah. Man. Man, classic. I think I couldn't beat the last level of Battle for Naboo because I couldn't get through the deflector shields on the freaking <laughs> droid, <laughs> droid battleship. You gotta fly through it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Oh man. So good. Oh, foreshadowing for me in the video game. <laughs> Just casually swaying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Look at how tall the Nemoidians are. Yeah. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. When they were sitting down, Maul looked like he was towering over them. Yeah. <laughs> so something about Ian McDermott playing the Emperor, which is just so awesome, like about and such a great opportunity with the prequels, is like in Return of the Jedi, he plays him, um, you know, he's about the same age as Mark Hamill. Like there's only, I think there's eight years age gap between them. So, oh really? Mark Hamill right now is sixty-eight years old, and Ian McDermott That's is crazy. like 70, 76. Yeah, so going kind of back in time to a you know where he looks so ugly in like the the original films, and then going to a, a time where he looks younger and stuff, it actually worked out in his favor quite a bit because, uh, uh, at least in George's favor, quite a bit because uh, it just worked out timing wise so much, and then then they were able to accomplish the rest with makeup in the third film. Mm -hmm. Wow. Except for whatever reason, they gave him a giant butt on his forehead. <laughs> I never understood that. Yeah, the skin folds. Yeah, it's like, why do you need a big standard crease? <laughs> like a big wrinkly butt. Okay, coolest tank in Star Wars changed my mind. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I was really disappointed in the following prequels where they changed the tanks to be like, those uh the treaded ones with the small guns on the side the, the droids yeah, yeah 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 those things these are so much cooler they look like way cooler man man it's just such a good design mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is a really well designed ship there they are higher I love the simplicity of kind of how the Jedi did their stuff is like they, they literally operated it. like this. This movie is perfect for showing how the Jedi used to be peacekeepers and, you know, people that was like almost like knights that showed up to help like mm -hmm. other people do their stuff. Right. Like that's something you never see yeah, after they, after this movie again. They like rile up the locals to do their own fighting and then they kind of do stuff in the background. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So, which became a plot numerous times in the Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly. Rebels. It's something that I'm really liking in the Master and Apprentice book written by uh, Claudia Gray. Uh, that was a. Uh, it's 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 nice. It's it's refreshing to see that that take on on the Jedi. Um, it's like how Ben Kenobi puts it, like. Uh, you know, the the guardians of peace and yeah. justice in the old republic, right? What's that? Uh, sorry, what's that scream called again? It's a Wilhelm scream. Oh, the Wilhelm scream. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it in every single Star Wars movie? I feel like it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's in all the Star Wars movies, but originally is because uh, I might get the name wrong. Brad, I think it's, it's Brad Bird. Yeah. Br- uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the uh, the main Skywalker sound guys, when they were in college, they pulled that sound, that uh, that scream recording from an old West film where uh, the main, main character, Wilhelm, gets shot in the leg with an arrow and he makes that scream. And they thought it was so funny that after they graduated, uh, these two guys, they decided that they were going to try to sneak it into every movie they worked on. <laughs> And yeah. one the guy got hired in Lucasfilm, or sorry, in a Skywalker Sound, and so he put it in the original Star Wars movies, and it's also in like ET and like Jurassic Park and like all these like big features, right? So yeah. eventually, people started to catch on to the scream as super iconic. So uh, it became too mainstream, so they stopped. But it just is another mm-hmm. like, infamous well, scream in all these uh, famous movies. Matthew Wood, the other that's aside what from it ben, is. Yeah. Uh, uh, ben Ben Burt is the one ben, you're thinking ben of. Burt. It was the original. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but Matthew Wood is the Matt is Wood. the guy who kind of kind of took over from Ben Burt as being like the, one of the lead guys in Skywalker Sound, and uh, he said that in the newer films they started doing a new cameo scream that's starting yeah. to make appearances in all the new films. But they never specified what it is, so people still have to know what it is. Yeah. Ouchie time. I always love their shields. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. the Gungans, cool. the Gungans are so interesting because even though they look really primitive, they have like the coolest technology. Yeah. Yep. Giant blue testicles that they throw at droids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they can. <laughs> they just hurl their balls at them all day That's long. Right. <laughs> right. Smash what? them, crush them, grind them into pieces with their balls. Oh, goodness. What, what is really interesting, though, is if those shields can deflect blasters, why are they not more common, that technology, throughout the galaxy? Mm-hmm. This primitive race can make it. Yeah. I mean, it's something uh, that... Droid lives they, don't matter. <laughs> something that they yeah. probably developed and don't want to outsource. Maybe. But you think if they could have done other species that are more advanced would have as well. I mean, they yeah. probably yeah, patented yeah, the technology. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> just obscure race like pen yeah. technology. Yeah. I mean, like the Droidicas have have their own yeah. shield technology, and then of course in the True. Clone Wars, like some of the clones do have those little wrist-mounted shields as well. That's something that they put into Battlefront too. The 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 heavy trooper has, yeah, uh, yeah the gun-mounted shield. So, okay, there you go. The yeah, final good, double good, blade reveal. 
Gungan Enterprises uh, patented <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the licenses for the, the shields. We should make all kinds of money. I don't know where the trigger is. Pushes a button because buttons are triggers. Yep. Oh, hey, look, a trigger. <laughs> so all the lettering on the Naboo Star Cruise and stuff that all that all can be decoded. Okay. Like they made a kind of like Orbesh. They made a letter to letter translation for the Naboo alphabet. Oh, really? Oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Nifty. Lots of circles. This has got to be one of the most iconic theme songs yeah. in history. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so well done. Mm-hmm. Well, Music is fight. so much better in the prequels than the sequels, for sure. There's a few mm. good songs, though, that are quite memorable. I yeah. can't think of any fight ones, but I know Ray's theme and the, the steps were pretty good. I and think other... March the Resistance... Yeah, I was going to say, other than like the fight between Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin at the end of the prequels, this is probably the most iconic fight scene of all three of the prequels, other yeah, than that. For sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah, like if it wasn't like Anakin and Obi-Wan and, and like the most fast-paced lightsaber duel in probably the entire franchise, <laughs> then yeah. that one, this one with Darth Maul, it would probably be like the the top yeah see i've never understood anybody who does something like called the the machete order because there's too much (laughs) about this movie that i would want to see that you know like well oh right machete order does skip this one doesn't it that's right yeah i usually include it but i i like the the general idea of the machete order just to hold the the twist that darth vader is luke's father yeah so, like, you just after Empire, you watch all three, right? Instead of, for most people, will probably skip this one and just watch two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Reed, you know that, don't you? <laughs> I think John Knowles in one of these Starfighters. Oh, is he? Is he? Yeah, oh, he that's is. That's awesome. Yeah. Who's that? Is that the guy we talked about earlier? He's the. Uh, he was the, the VFX guy. supervisor for the prequels oh. and the special editions. He yeah. also was uh, behind Mandalorian and Rogue One. Oh no way! Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually wow. uh, he wrote the basic plot outline for Rogue One before Luxum signed off on it. Yeah. Wow. Super nice guy too. Oh, incredibly nice. Him and his brother invented Photoshop. Yeah, they created Photoshop. In their spare time of working at Lucasfilm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Like, absolute legends of people. He's a smart guy. Yeah, he's a a legend in VFX. That's Ray Park right there. That's Ray Park. Oh, was it? Yeah, he was he was there on his off day. So instead of filming Darth Maul, he was he decided to dress up as one of those guys. Yeah, like Lando. Uh, which one is yeah. he? He was yeah. the one at the back. He was the one at the back that shoots his blaster down the hall. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's funny. He's one of those guards. 
That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so classic, classic like Hollywood mishandling of firearms is when <laughs> they're holding the gun with one hand and then they with their left hand they'll grab their wrist because yeah. somehow that gives them better control over the firearm, which it doesn't, by the way. Just low, low key throwing that one in there, a little, uh, <laughs> little it's nugget. It's almost like they knew that they are supposed to put their second hand somewhere, but they just got the location wrong. Instead yeah. of putting it like underneath your the hand, the other hand. Well, you're not supposed to do that either. That's called teacupping. That doesn't help you control the firearm either. It just holds up the weight of the gun. I don't think there's fire. any recoil on a blaster, though, like that. But, I mean, I don't know, man. There kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looks like it. Oh, Battlefront feels differently. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's to give people a chance. <laughs> so, quick quiz for you guys. Do any of you guys know what all that uh, laser energy stuff is in the pipes? Nope. Nope. Not a clue. No idea. Is this a, some sort of it's, processing plant? So Naboo's like primary export is an energy called plasma. And uh, that, I believe, is uh, how they farm it uh, out of the planet. Like it's uh, it's being channeled into like where they keep reserves of it. And then they actually sell it uh, to other planets as an energy source. Uh. Hmm. So they're in the oil trade in space is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, something like that, something like that. And that's also, it works into like the Gungans weapons as well. So like they're, uh, they're little uh, electric baubles and everything. And uh, even their shield generators and their, their shields. Oh, that's like, all the, I think it all has thing. a, yeah, it all has like a, like a flow to it, um, which it, it just reflects how amazing the world building is in these movies because they like, they thought of everything, right? Like, that's pretty cool. Oh man. And Jar Jar leading the counter attack. Yeah. <laughs> right? Takes out a tank. Yeah. It's not the only one. <laughs> just everything he does in combat is just such a fluke. Yeah, that's why a lot of people are very bothered by Jar Jar. That's why a lot of other people think he's a force user. Uh, see, I love all this stuff, man. Like, I... <laughs> like his clumsiness is like the best yeah. part for me. <laughs> He's gonna be using the force, man. You can't be that lucky by coincidence. Yeah, no, <laughs> dude. Jar Jar's midi chlorine count is high. <laughs> I tell you, Darth Jar Jar. You know, that's a thing. Yeah. Jump, Jar Jar. Yeah. Maybe a couple of those guys that were holding those blasters properly. <laughs> oh, man, I love the Droidicas. Yeah. <laughs> they're so well designed. Yeah, they're pretty cool. No, like, yeah. rolling aspect. It's interesting, though. These ones at the end here look really nice and, like, for CG are quite good. But the ones at the beginning looks really bad. Yeah. I think it must have just been earlier shots that had finals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Always bad at parking. I mean, pre-production on this movie, I think, was in 
94 or 1995 or something like that like it was it was it was it was a huge window of time before this movie finally got released man makes you wonder how much money george sunk into it oh yeah And Mark Hamill must have been so pissed off watching this. It's like, I remember him always talking about how when he was uh, using a lightsaber on set, he asked George, like, can I move it like this? And George was like, no, it's supposed to be heavy, like a broadsword, really, really heavy. Yeah. You can barely move it. And these guys are, like, swinging around so fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. the theater, like, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, Darth Maul's, like, peak of his career like killing Qui-Gon and like that's it yeah yeah for sure yeah and we've had well, this conversation a lot on Clone Wars Doc too yeah the peak while he had legs <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that was that right there was the pinnacle of his entire life mm-hmm. was killing Qui-Gon Jinn yeah and by the way I must commend Liam Neeson for such a convincing stab death like yeah. that yeah, face true. that he makes is always so Ooh. good like Ooh. yeah he just gets winded. Like, oh, it's so awesome. Mm. He's very surprised. <laughs> what a good one liner. Yeah. <laughs> I like how Obi-Wan goes on the fence here, but generally he's more mm-hmm. of a defensive. Yeah, sure. yeah, definitely. His style. Yeah. It's all that anger flowing through him. Yeah, yeah. it's good you mention this because, from in my opinion, like in the Clone Wars show, like they rob him of like some of his skill. Man. Like, look at this. Like, you don't see him fighting like this in the show at all. No. Well, even like the, at the end of the prequel trilogy, like the fight between him and Anakin is literally like the epitome of all lightsaber duels ever. Like there's no, there's not been another one on film that's been like more like intense and fast paced than that one. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. And right there is probably the only scene where he's in this fighter right now that you ever see like an inkling of the actual shield. That's true. Yeah, yeah I was actually going to mention that. Like they talk about them all like constantly, but you never actually like see them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because it would look kind of stupid if it was just like ships with bubbles around them, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so I think. Yeah, it's a it's a good little Easter egg there where they talk about the shields and you see this like shimmer effect. Yeah, yeah. and the old games and everything like switching shields to double front. You hear about the old X wings. That's what they're they're doing when they're yeah. going down the trench run. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so I never got to this part in that Nintendo game I was talking about. Because <laughs> yeah. you actually, so you see that big round thing on the outside of the, the hangar that he flew through? Yeah. So at, in the game, you actually have to destroy those because they're tractor beams. And That's so you were like damage them, and then it. it has like a scene where it's like, oh look, one of our ships is going into the hangar, blah blah blah. So it's kind of like a cool little Easter egg, because you know Anakin's like going into the hangar, right? And so then mm -hmm. you have to like, because you're just one of the normal pilots, so you're still flying around outside, like trying yeah. to. Oh, you're you're stuff. waiting for Anakin to finish doing all of his stuff. Yeah. That's really funny. You're not even yeah. the main character; you're just some random like bozo on the side. Pretty much. <laughs> so, another another piece of symmetry is that Anakin blows up like the ship in the very similar fashion that Luke actually blows up the Death Star. Is like he has to run through the trench run, which is mm. you know, it's Just not like, in the Death Star, but it's like you know, basically coming close to it because he's got to pass all those turrets. Yeah, and casually hits the trigger button at the right mm. place in the right time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now targeting computers. <laughs> Ah! I have no legs. Cuts him in half. Yeah. Disappears for ten years. We'll and see you later, Dark Lightsaber blood spray of all time. Uh, yeah. It's just so dust. Good. It's funny. Is that scene felt very Indiana Jones, like Raiders. Mm. Oh, hundred percent. Like the, the a Raider vibe from that. Like yeah. the blood mist, you mean? Yeah, and then he like falls backwards down like the tunnel that that angle and the music like it felt like something from Raiders like mm. when they open up the uh, like the arc and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like Qui Gon is so convinced that Anakin is the chosen one that it's his dying wish that he's trained to be a Jedi. Yeah. I think like the way that Dave Filoni put it in uh, the Mandalorian uh, gallery is like perfect. Like the way that this entire movie like finishes with the duel of fates and everything, like how he explained it is like perfect. How duel of fates, and I'll just summarize what he said is like for you guys who haven't watched it, but like duel of fates is like called duel of fates because it's the fate of Anakin Skywalker and the, mm -hmm. the, the fate of that child, right? Like, that the loss of Qui-Gon is as if he lost like a father figure that he should have had and now he doesn't. And now he's got Obi-Wan who's been like reluctant to take in Anakin as his apprentice. And Yeah, this guy uh, who didn't like, really want him, who considered him yeah. Yeah, another useless yeah. life form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like the way that he put that whole thing was like just like perfect. Out of all the shots they redid, I'm surprised they didn't redo that one. Yeah. When he's walking? Yeah.
So this song is the same song that plays during Padme's funeral, mm -hmm. which also takes place on Naboo in a very similar fashion. And it's once again, just like the amazing symmetry that echoes through the whole saga is that somebody who meant a lot to Anakin, who essentially saved him from like slavery or was a big part of it, like is now gone in the same way that Padme was his kind of exit from the Jedi and like a, a mental break from keeping his emotions like a bay uh, is also gone. Plus, the, like this shot specifically is exactly the same as, as Vader when he's burning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Foreshadowing. <laughs> there he is. I like to think that he's not looking at the that Liam Neeson yeah. at Qui-Gon. I like to think that he's looking through the flames at Yoda. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I love this episode four and episode six throwback big party at the end of the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this I think is that's such a why, great song. I, I think that's why for me Empire Strikes Back is my favorite uh, Star Wars movie because it's not just like everyone's like the good guys are always winning have a good having a good time like they go through some like serious like hardship and stuff in yeah, that movie. Yeah. Totally. Plus they're playing the Emperor's theme right now. Yeah, yeah. Set up and joyful. <laughs> yeah. It's just an, an upbeat version of the Emperor's theme. Yeah. Yeah. One step closer to his grand plan becoming complete. <laughs> if you put this entire song in a minor key, it it's the Emperor's theme. Yeah. yeah. And then right. just slow it down a little bit. Yeah. Peace. He's like All right, that is it. Written, directed by George Lucas, produced by Rick McCallum. Man, Rick McCallum, he's a good guy. He's a good producer. If you watch any of the behind the scenes of the prequels, that guy is like he just knows his stuff, and like he's supposed to be like George's like words on on set when he's not around, kind of thing, right? Mm. But man, right. like that guy, Rick McCallum, like he is like. A massive ben part Burt. of how, like, why the prequels even happened. Like, oh, I think really? without Rick, yeah, without Rick McCallum, like, I don't I like the prequels. It. it wouldn't, yeah, like, I mean, he was just a really good producer for George. Like, he just made it happen, you know? Like, he was the kind of guy that just took George's words and just made it like a reality. Mm. That was his job, it's basically. Like, so. Some reason, whenever I picture Ben Burt, it's always his face. Uh, when they watch the first cut, or the first draft of uh, the entire movie. And George is like, you see his face, and he's just like, oh my God, what are we dealing with? And George is like, I, I might went a little too far in a couple of places. Yeah. <laughs> and he just looks yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know how we're going to save this. When, yeah. When they watch the, the, the first, like, yeah. cut of the, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. And whenever I think of, of, uh, of him, I always think of that, his face there. Yeah. Well, uh, I've gone a bit too far in some places. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> John Noel! 
but the music man like shout out pretty good good music good movie yeah i think of like the sequel trilogy there's not a lot of music that i was like super like impressed with because it's kind of like you know it's the same as like the prequels like they take like the music from the original trilogy and then kind of you know like they do their own thing with it and stuff but they did like a really kick butt job with it whereas yeah, the other yeah. ones i was just kind of like eh. like there wasn't anything like any bit of soundtrack or anything where i was like oh wow like that's so amazing mm-hmm. yeah no the music is is a it, it really defines like this song specifically like the duel of fates like really defines this movie yeah i think so too mm-hmm. and really just the prequels in general to be honest yeah people think yeah, of it, you hear they think of this first from everything yeah you hear this and it's, uh, it's the, interesting the when you hear it too mm. it's interesting when you hear it because you hear this song during like the fight between yoda and palpatine and that yeah. in itself is considered to be metaphorical of just light versus dark like Duel of Fates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. true. Actually, even within the title, it fits there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you saying before that? Uh, I was saying there's a handful of songs that they ha- they reused quite a lot throughout the prequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, being that this specific song, Duel of Fates, as well as the the march of the uh, was it March of the Federation, the Star Separatists. Oh, the uh, like the trade federation, the, like the droid song, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of hear it once in a while, yeah. yeah. That one, and then of course, then you get the really big stuff in uh, Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. I well, mean, the entire funny, Revenge of the Sith soundtrack is just golden. Well, what's a real shame is. There actually was a bunch of iconic music for Attack of the Clones as well. But after mm-hmm. after John Williams had recorded everything, George Lucas edited the movie again and nothing fit the cut anymore. So he just grabbed random music from Phantom Menace and stuff and whatever fit. Yeah, that yeah that's true. I, I do remember I do remember and, learning of that information. And, and, and so when know. you listen to the full soundtrack, you get a lot of parts of the different songs that all cut isn't together in yeah, yeah. But not the original stuff that that uh, john williams had written for it specifically well, it's the like, like battle it's like, re, uh, it's like remixed like edits yeah. i guess of the like yeah some of the stuff which is really interesting so i feel like uh, i believe uh the entire battle of genosis had its own song and i'm not sure about this this part but when at the very end, when you see the Grand Army of the Republic taking off from Camino, I bet there was a proper song for the Army of the Republic there, but it got cut, and instead they went with the the Separatist theme. Yeah, yeah. Which also kind of worked out because it it kind of hints at their two sides of the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close my uh video session here so overall like i mean that's the first one of of the of the saga which has so many films in it now include if you cl- include everything but um but i mean just in general like we'll just go 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 around like just like how are your general feelings and thoughts on this movie 20 years now that it's been out um you know what are your thoughts on it Sorry, thoughts on what? 
just this movie just like 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 how do you um like compared to a lot of other people like like what are your thoughts that might differ from like the general perspective of this film oh <laughs> i love this movie <laughs> i think it's awesome yeah. it is it is good on a lot of different levels i think like there's a lot of like common themes that you see in a lot of these sorts of movies but like the more you look into it the more nuanced it becomes like what you were mentioning about duel of the fates um and how i mean that whole song name is just foreshadowing like anakin's future is quite impressive yeah yeah no for sure i i think i I, like i hope that more people that come across information like that kind of find more about this movie to enjoy because i think a lot of people just get turned off of the little things like you know like that opening crawl and and the character jar jar and you know and and the all the senate scenes which there really aren't that many if you were to piece them all together maybe it makes up 10 minutes of the film like tops but i mean i don't know i love this movie it's 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 on my it's on my it's hard for me to rank the movies but like it's it's one of my more favorite films like out of the whole saga yeah, it's funny is I'd actually probably say the same thing. Like, I, I would never put it above the original trilogy just because that's kind of what I originally grew up on before this came out and all that sort of thing. I feel there's a more depth to it. But what's funny is if you would have asked me 10 years ago uh, to rate the prequels, this one would have been at the bottom for sure. And I feel like over time it's actually aged better than the other two by a pretty significant amount. I don't know if it's just because they did a lot of set stuff and there's a little more tra- like traditional uh, filmography with it, but I just feel like overall as a film, it has aged significantly better than Attack of the Clones and even Revenge of the Sith. And I would actually now probably put of the of the prequels probably the top one to be honest. Is your favorite out of the prequels? I would say so. Yeah, I would put it before Revenge of the Sith personally. Like Revenge of the Sith has uh, like some really important moments and some really good obviously fight scenes and stuff but i just feel like this as a cohesive film and a story this does a better job mm-hmm. like i'm pulled in more to the worlds here and the characters than i am in a revenge of the sith yeah i think yeah that's a good point actually in this movie specifically there's a lot more that they invest into the world of naboo and tatooine and um, and, uh, I mean, we get more of Coruscant in, in Attack of the Clones, but I mean, like out of those two planets though, like those are, I think we only see three movie, three planets in the whole movie, right? Like it's Coruscant, Tatooine and, and Naboo, right? So yeah, that, that'd be, yeah. It. Yeah. So I mean, like, on, like space yeah. stations and ships. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. So out of the whole movie, I mean, like the two planets they invested so much time in is the home world of Padme and the home world of Anakin Skywalker and mm-hmm. by extension, Luke Skywalker as well. So like, yeah, I think there's a really solid point there when it comes down to like the world building of stuff and like, you know, everything from the ships and the characters and like the environments and, and just everything. Right. Like it all makes that place more rich with uh, with like stuff you know? yeah and i mean yeah. too like they it spent like what 20 or more minutes on the uh pod racing scene and they yeah, it's still, exactly. like, a stellar, yeah yeah like they like as far as like storytelling and like progressing forward through the story like i didn't feel like at any point like that it was hampered by it right yeah no it not at it all feel like you're massively wasting all this time on it <laughs> oh, like, last Jedi. Yeah. 
Yeah, or like Attack of the Clones too. Like, there's definitely scenes you're like, "Why are we doing this?" You can just skip ahead, and you would never miss anything. But you oh, don't yeah. really get that that vibe when you're watching uh, the pod race in this. No. Yeah, no, it's exciting and uh, it, it keeps it interesting. I mean, I'm like my favorite movie of the prequels is Revenge of the Sith, but I mean, it's and I, I love Revenge of the Sith for like the very expansive places that you see in that movie as far as world building goes like i love i love that stuff but then yeah a very good job at making all these places and then having them all look so different and Mm -hmm. and uh it it follows george's like rule of like the the the, what was it like the five second rule or something if you can see look at something for five seconds and think of something else then it's a no-go because it looks too similar so he would stamp all the ones that looked yeah exactly he would yeah. stamp all the ones that looked very iconic and unique and he would use those ones right so and then if they that's weren't used system. in the movie they would turn up later on so mm-hmm. it's a very good system and i think that's what like i find such a big failure about episode seven is like jakku is such an unoriginal planet like yeah, it is yeah. more than boring because not only is it supposed to replicate tatooine it's a, it's it's even like more vastly empty than tatooine yeah. so like it's 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 literally nowhere and like they make a joke of that in the last jedi like luke is like where are you from ray from nowhere and she's like jakku and he's like okay that is nowhere yeah <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah like, dude it's like the only th- interesting thing that ever happened on jakku was stuff like we never got to see like yeah the only pr- yeah interesting thing about that whole planet is all the derelict like star destroyers and like just debris and stuff like that and we don't even get any backstory at all about like how that happened like you have to play the video game basically to understand like what happened and stuff like yeah exactly you gotta you gotta play battlefront 2 you have to read the aftermath trilogy of books which are a hard pill to swallow at times let me tell you (laughs) uh you gotta read the shattered empire not like like there's so much stuff that you gotta yeah there's not there's not a very good just no like episode seven is not a very good entry to that trilogy at all like did rebels end on jakku the series Rebels the last, ended last ended episode? the very very last scene in Rebels was on Lothal and it was oh, a it flash was forward it was a flash forward into the future and actually that city is a is a is a concept design of of uh, an unused concept design from Ralph McQuarrie that was supposed to be uh, Alderaan I believe and uh, never got used but then it got recycled into Rebels so um, yeah it's pretty cool stuff but yeah anyway going back to like kind of why we're leveraging the Sith so much so like the world building is cool and they got so many different unique locations but uh, you don't really get the richness of like kind of what else is there aside from like seeing it in the brief scenes that you do mm-hmm. um, and in this movie like it's so good for investing so much more time into these places right and so. Josh you might get mad at me for this but I, I find the general grievous fight scene in Revenge of the Sith to be really, really bad. I really don't like it a lot. That's fair. It's honestly, I mean, when it comes, it's it's not my favorite part of the movie. I will say that. It is is not my favorite part of the movie. It's Um, come across to me as just way too video gamey. Like, there's, when Obi-Wan is cutting off the hands of General Grievous, to me, it feels like I'm playing Xbox and it's saying it X, Y, like be in this world and i can't get past that it just i love the character design i love what they were going for i love the original animated series when they introduced general Grievous in the original Clone wars back in the day but i just felt like they really dropped the ball there honestly I, it bothers me to watch it for for me i yeah. think it was just hard to take 
General Grievous's character seriously. I mean, he was kind of a joke that they were trying to make like the primary anta antagonist almost of that whole movie because they literally chopped off Count Dooku's head right at the start of the movie. That's true. And then the, you're pretty much left with Grievous. Like, that's yeah, it I, until see, the I end, think, later um, in the movie. I think that's like that's so that's definitely one way to put it. I would never probably like personally I wouldn't ever say that General Grievous is supposed to be any sort of main antagonist at all though. No, see, if I think you like watch the Clone Wars cartoon, the animated series, the three D one, like it, it yeah. definitely builds that he's more of a henchman to Dooku than anything else. For sure, yeah. He's he's a puppet he's a puppet that's being used by both Dooku and Palpatine and and things are just never go his way and he's always in he's always uh, a coward and he always runs and so yeah. like i've never i've never seen him as a big antagonist at all yeah um, i've that, always thought of him i know it's not canon anymore but the first time i saw general grievous in the original 2d animated series they built him up to be so badass I've, I've, yeah, that's I've true. just been so disappointed ever since. I think back in the day, Diego actually watched a lot of those the two D the two D Clone Wars animated series. They're still Remember good. The they hold stuff? up really well. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, like, I mean, but is is that how? You, like, if you were like from your perspective, like seeing Revenge of the Sith, like, do you think General Grievous is like you 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 would like put him in that main antagonist category? No, he's still a henchman, but he is much more capable. I felt like he should have been more capable. So like in that series, he could take on like four Jedi Knights at once and handle them quite easily. Whereas, honestly, he just comes across as more competent than anything else at times in the, uh, the, in the Revenge of the film. And at times, yeah. even the, the 3D series as well. Yeah. Yeah, Reed? Well, yeah, I mean, like the... like. I guess he, he's not, like, the main antagonist. I mean, at the end of the Revenge of the Sith movie, right, like, the antagonist is, like, the Sith, like, Darth, Darth Sidious and stuff. But for the, uh, like, substantial section of the movie, like, he's kind of the filler antagonist because Darth Sidious, they haven't built him up enough yet to be, like, the you know who he is like they haven't done the big reveal yet and they've like i said they chopped count dooku's head off and so they're like crap dang it we got to fill in this gap here who are we going to put in here and they're like oh hey let's create this crazy six-legged character that's going to crawl around on walls mm -hmm. and wave like four lightsabers around and so that's kind of what he is he's that's why he's art like was a hard character to take seriously because he's kind of a joke and a filler at the same time yeah yeah, yeah, that's I think when you when you incorporate Clone Wars into the mix, like and and kind of picture that as its own entity between the films. Um, I mean, Grievous gets a lot more screen time, of course, but then you could picture Revenge of the Sith as just his mortal ending, right? Because yeah. like, well, it really, see, I've never happens. I've never watched any of the the show or whatever. I still haven't watched any of the Clone Wars. This, like that's that's why your perspective is really interesting because you're like I think you're the. Uh, I think you're the only one here that hasn't seen the Clone Wars. So, like, <laughs> so from from like that point of view, like out of the like, loop, <laughs> like Grievous though would come across as an antagonist of like a main kind because he's got so much, like, yeah. Well, he's not. Know. He's like I said, he's not. He doesn't end up being the main antagonist, but he's a filler. Like he, because yeah. there's no one else to fill that power literally like to put into that power vacuum because i mean the cato nemoidian guys are literally just like limp noodles basically yeah or like the whatever the uh confederate 
leadership is at that point. Like all of them are basically pushovers. They're not like serious enemies or anything like that. So it's yeah, he he's pretty much it until Darth Sidious makes the big reveal. Yeah, I've always pictured um, the whole prequel trilogy. I've always just thought Palpatine. He's the main antagonist. I mean, he's the main antagonist of the whole saga, right? But yeah, pretty um, much. But I mean, like when it comes down to like even this movie specifically, like the Phantom Menace is directly referencing Palpatine. Yeah, I, but I mean, like in each movie, like you, Palpatine's not the on the the front lines. It's like a behind no, the yeah. scenes, like he's working he's, from the shadows, yeah, yeah. Ma- manipulating everything, right? So in this one, it's Dar- uh, Darth Maul is like the main. Uh, enemy that they have to face or yeah. sort of the main antagonist. Like the, the Kato, main puppet. Yeah, like yeah. the Cato Nemoidian leadership, like the Trade Federation guys, they're kind of they kind of fulfill the antagonist role pretty yeah. strongly in this yeah. one as well. Uh in Attack of the Clones, it's like one hundred percent like Count Duke pretty much. Like mm-hmm. once you figure out who he well initially it's um Django Fett and then you discover count duke and stuff like that as well right so it's yeah yeah. it's a progression yeah yeah totally um all right guys well thanks so much we're running a bit of overtime so uh i gotta wrap things up quick here but uh thank you so much for participating each and every one you and uh always great to have you back and we'll have you back again if you're able to make it for uh, the next commentary track being attack of the clones all right and thank you to all you guys at home listening in, uh, tuning in to the show on a weekly basis. And uh, if this is your first time to the show, should have said this earlier, but uh, welcome to Star Wars Escape Pod. Uh, we're super happy to have you. And, uh, you know, these these commentary tracks are something I've been wanting to do for a while. So it's been awesome to get uh, all the uh, all the buddies in uh, to, to chat about to the, the films. And uh, going forward, we're going to be doing a commentary track in this format for all the other films, but if there's something else uh, that we can do a little better, uh, I mean, we're still figuring out how to get the best sound quality out to you guys and uh, coming from six different locations and stuff, uh, the the software that we use is kind of getting a little jam-packed and may have reduced a bit of uh, quality here and there, but, you know, doing the best, doing the best job I can in post to clean it up. Uh, but if, if there is anything that we can do to, to make the show uh, more awesome for you guys uh, in a better way, then uh, just send us an email or uh, get in touch with us at the many ways that you can in the description below. There's so many and uh, they're all open for you guys as options to check it out and uh, be part of the conversation. Uh, you can also take part in the conversation on our Twitter feed. That's kind of the main source of uh, where the news comes from, from the escape pod on a daily basis. Uh, we're always posting in there. So uh, you guys are more than welcome to follow us there. And if there's any way you can help us out, just uh, subscribe and send this show to a friend. Tell them to check it out. All right. Thanks, guys. May the force be with you. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks again.